African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Hey, good morning, everybody. Well, that's according to Central African time in South Africa. It is 11 o'clock once again. Thank you for joining us right here on African Dialogue. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms on Shortwave, on DSTV Channel 802, on the audio bouquet. If you're listening to us on our website, remember, we are on www.channelafrica.co.za. Well, thank you for joining us today as we try to contextualize the big subject matter on the continent and our world. Well, today we're going to be looking at Zimbabwe's anti-fuel price protest action that has been happening in the past few days. There's been a lot of developments happening around that. Since tense, uh, yesterday there was heavy police presence in Zimbabwean streets as more violence is expected was expected on day two of the national shutdown. Angry protesters in Zimbabwe's capital Harare barricaded roads and burnt tires after President Nangago announced a massive fuel price hike in Bulawayo. Police fired tear gas to disperse hundreds of protesters. Reports have suggested that five people have sustained gunshots wounds following the unrest. Nangago announced over the weekend a more than 100% rise in the price of petrol and diesel. Well, yesterday in the evening, we spoke to Simon Muchemwa, one of our correspondents in Harare, and this is what he had to say about the situation. It's a bit calm, but it's very tense because uh, the police and soldiers are doing patrols in uh, high-density suburbs. No matter you took part in the protest yesterday where vehicles were burnt, buses burnt, and uh, uh, some people injured, uh, the police and soldiers are just beating people arbitrarily and quite a number of people have been affected so far actually witnessed a number of people being beaten uh, this is not uh, concentrated in one township but the entire high density townships uh, in Harare including the CBD despite the fact that the CBD was um, a bit quiet today but yesterday it was uh, congested and at night soldiers came out and they started beating people who were in town and they were chasing them away but there was no way to go home now because all roads were barricaded, youth were angry and they were protesting uh, in the communities after the city had called for a mass away, but protests started uh, in the high community areas and uh, right now as we are hearing from Doctors for Human Rights, they are saying at least six people have been shot dead because live ammunition was now being used. This is the second time uh, the soldiers and police have used live ammunition after the 1st of August 2018 protest after elections. Well, that's the voice there of Simon Muchemwa there giving us an outlook of what was uh, uh, happening yesterday, how tense it was in the evening. And uh, I've got Lavmo Kadenge, president of the Zimbabwe Economic Society, who earlier on was telling me that there's a stay away today. It seems like things are tense currently. Uh, Lavmo, thank you for giving us your time. Tell us a little bit about the current situation right now. I know people are staying away because of 
uh, uh, the uh, violence that we saw in the last two days, especially when uh, the uh, troops were coming out. And I hear uh, some uh, uh, citizens were assaulted by uh, the troops. Tell us a little bit about just the, the environment right now, how it feels on the ground. Is the situation still tense? Well, it is, actually. What has happened is, uh, you know, Monday a few people went around and so forth, but uh, what has turned out is the streets are quiet. Uh, I was talking with a colleague. I'm getting reports from different areas, but in particular in town itself, in the city center. Uh, the shops are closed, the major shops, the roads are empty. Uh, but in the other areas, uh, you know, outlining high-density areas, there are real changes. You know, a, a number of people have been beaten. We understand that this really another explanation of six people have been killed. But even just before I spoke to you, I'm getting reports that in the different parts of the country, uh, the situation is, uh, is not good. Uh, but what has happened is people have uh, taken heed of what, uh, you know, the demonstration called by the... Uh, by the ZCTU. And I think one of the most worrying things and complaints which you get from the people is you would have expected our president to be around to actually mm. be addressing these mm. issues. Mm. But I must point out at the very beginning that it, obviously the demos have come uh, because of these price increases. But certainly there were a lot of simmering issues. This was the spark of what, uh, you know, discontent among the Zimbabweans. You know, Lovemo, this is actually tainting this new dawn that was described by uh, the new president of uh, Zimbabwe, kind of reiterating the sentiments that we heard uh, we're hearing from South Africa's uh, president, Cyril Ramaphosa, because we thought this was going to be a new start for Zimbabwe, especially after the ousting of uh, Robert Mugabe. You say there are simmering issues uh, uh, beyond the fuel price issues. Tell us a little bit about how we got to this point where we are with these uh, current uh, protests. Well, what happened, this thing started almost two years ago, uh, but in particular last year, around uh, October or so, the Minister of Finance uh, had uh, what you call transaction tax, where each individual charged 2% tax for every transaction. And this really affected a lot of people, price increases and so forth, and also there was really no consultation. And then uh, secondly, we have had the situation of the doctors themselves complaining since last year that their remuneration uh, is poor. Not mm. only that, they didn't even have goods uh, consumable to use within the hospital and the medicine themselves. And it appears no one was taking it. And I think the teachers themselves, you know, have been complaining because of the increase in the cost of living. They wanted to be paid a salary which was above the poverty datum line. And all this was issues which were now coming up with discontent. And to make matters worse, the companies themselves, you know, because of the challenges of the exchange rates, you know, not being able to get the forex for their material, a number of organizations had closed down. And there was a difficulty that people had to be sent home at no pay because there was no, no forex at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, then to add insult to injury, as it were, 
uh, on the on Saturday this past week, uh, the head of state announced this uh, price increase of almost 150 percent on fuel, and mm. uh, you know this is what really sparked everything. Mm, <laughs> it's mm, not mm. only just uh, uh, demonstrations in terms of price increases. Mm. But of course, the margin of the increase itself almost 150 percent. Mm, mm. And uh, w- what I expected was I was in a queue myself the previous two days. Wow! And uh, I left cars in the queue. So after the increase of this 150 percent, the following day there was not even a single garage which was open. Wow! So there is no fuel. And as I'm speaking now, some cars are still parked in the garages. Because mm. no fuel is being, uh, you know, distributed, and of course we have had real challenges in terms of the general public who stay in, in the suburbs or in the various townships. Mm. Cost of living, even the cost of transport itself, you know, from where they are, the combis, those who, who, who transport people, just increased the the price itself mm. to, mm. you know, unimaginable level. And then, so this whole thing it's, it's sparked. People may talk of saying it's a political end there, but uh, you know, our people are facing a difficulty. And I think to make matters worse is when our president now he has uh, uh, you know debt and uh, 25 million and three three million allowances and so forth, and he leaves home burning. Mm-hmm. And I think this is with the, the general public who I meet him. Currently, I'm telephoning from home because you can't go into town because the only operations which are happening in town is because it's very difficult. It can also be very dangerous. Mm-hmm. And the complaint I'm getting from General Zimbabwe is the, the country needs, the president needs to be here mm-hmm. to address our concerns. Okay, I'm going to take I'm going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, uh, Lavmo will be joined by Gideon Chitanga, who's a researcher and analyst from Political Economy Southern Africa, and I want to get also that context from him, what he sees in terms of uh, this particular situation we find ourselves in. It's almost 20 minutes past 11 o'clock. I remember we asking that question on our social media: Do you think Zimbabwe President MSM Nangagwa's government is approaching things differently to the Robert Mugabe era. Go to our Channel Africa Facebook page. Give us your thoughts there. Let's take a quick break and when we come back, we'll be joined by Gideon Chitanga. Afri-capitalism is about the intersection of economic prosperity and social wealth. On the 21st of this month, the Shared Value Africa Initiative Summit will take place at Lily's Leaf Farm just outside the city of Johannesburg in South Africa. High-powered business people of all ages will meet to strategically assess the challenges of facing business on our continent and set an agenda for 2019 to 2020. If you cannot make it, do not worry. Join Channel Africa from 1100 hours to 1200 hours Central African time for live coverage of the event. Together, we can create the Africa we want and build shared value ecosystems across the continent to grow the Africa economy for all. So join us on the 21st of January for the Shared Value Africa Initiative Summit. 
Channel Africa, bringing you the African perspective. Channel Africa, yes, we bring you the African perspective. Thank you for joining us in our Johannesburg studios at the SABC headquarters. Uh, thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue. Uh, let's see what people have to say on this particular subject matter on our Facebook page. Bozat Dor, thank you for your thoughts. You've been supporting us in your engagement with us in the past few days when we started this drive of getting more voices from the continent. And Bozat Dor, to our question today whether uh, we're seeing a different government now under Emerson Mangago to that of Robert Mugabe he says there's never been democracy in Zimbabwe since that country gained independence I think there's no difference so far between both governments of Mugabe and Mnangagwa and I asked uh, um, Bozard don't you think Mnangagwa represents a new era uh, for Zimbabwe and Bozard says he does not think so well let's bring in Gideon Chitanga researcher and analyst from political economy uh, southern africa joining us on the line gideon thank you for giving us your time and uh, that actually brings us to where we are in terms of where um love more contextualize the issue speaking about the doctor's pay strike last year to where we are with the fuel price clearly the atmosphere has been thickening up when it comes to the socio-economic conditions of zimbabwe yes um I, I listened to to uh, the previous contributor's description of the situation in Zimbabwe, and I think it's quite detailed. Uh, safe to say that it uh, gives the immediate past um, socioeconomic context, uh, uh, and I think that um, there the are layers and layers uh, of uh, uh, structural issues Mm. some economic uh, and some um, social and political that have to be dealt with in Zimbabwe. And uh, to be brief and specific, these are some of the issues that sort of converged and caused or necessitated the removal of former President Robert Mugabe uh, by the military in November 2017. Um, A key issue to take from the removal of Mugabe is the fact that Zimbabweans had very high expectations. I think for for once uh, in about three decades, and except in 2008, Zimbabweans looked so united in believing that November 2017 represented an opportunity for change Mm. in the time when uh, there was going to be a turn of a page. They uh, welcomed President Munangagwa in in spite of the fact that what was happening was a clear coup. I think there was uh, such willingness to say, let's uh, give him the benefit of the doubt and allow him to bring in his agenda and support change. Mm. So I, I believe in my view, that was the, the view of uh, Zimbabweans. Across the political divide, across uh, class and uh, ethnic divide, there was such a, a, a unit never seen before and I think the only other time that has been witnessed was in 2008 when the opposition won elections, which uh, culminated in the, in the government of national unity. But um, I think that he, even though President Munangagwa was not able to do much, mm. he, and he, the country went to elections, still um, Zimbabweans were able to, to say, he, let's, give him the benefit of the, of, of the doubt. And I think that 
Mnangagwa has been greeted with a lot of uh, goodwill, but that will is continuously, persistently worsened. It has not been put to good use, and the high expectations, uh, and which are really very high, have mm. not been met, sure. met even, even, even to the level of 10% of the expectations. Uh, they haven't been met. Uh, uh, I, I actually sort of see that uh, President Mnangagwa is in a very unique situation, which could be a great opportunity on one end, but also, I think, quite challenging, depending on which side of the situation he takes it. I think his approach for me, to again summarize it, he seems to me to be very busy trying to pacify internal, mainly economic interests within Zanopiev. And I think the logic of it all is for him to think or he believes that if he stabilizes these economic interests within Zanopiev by pacifying them, and by the way, which economic interests are also very key mm. political power brokers within Zanopiev, then you will be able to hold on to power and probably sort of benefit from some incremental gains that would be generated from his, his economic promise of mm. uh, Zimbabwe is open for business. Okay, but I hear... What, is, what, sure. what this situation has created, mm. really, is uh, an overwhelmed character who uh, makes a lot of rhetorical promise and is really weak or zero on delivery. And because of that, eventually, his uh, constituencies and Zimbabweans at large are becoming very angry to the point of being so upset with him. He, he, has, he has lost the mid of uh, a, a, a great leader mm. he, and they, there are a lot of jokes and mimicry around his persona. Mm. And I think that what we have witnessed today, yesterday and uh, the day before, just, just demonstrates the level of anger in a country that is already divided mm. and deeply fractured at multiple levels and a country that needs dialogue and unity and a broadly on a social economic strategy okay. not what not what the current minister of finance has offered which is mm. um a kind of a, a short piece of paper that is really coming from from Zanopi of office and does not enjoy broad-based support of Zimbabwe. All right, let me let me take a quick break and I'll come back to you, Gideon, and uh, uh, Mr. Katenge, because I, I want to look at those economic reforms. And uh, But before I ask you th- that particular question, just in two minutes before we go to that break, Gideon, what's worrying is that you are kind of seeing signs of uh, the previous dispensation. I don't know if it's a previous dispensation because it's still the same party, ZANU-PF. We have a new head, but you're seeing kind of the semblance of uh, occurrences that we saw during Robert Mugabe's era, especially when now we're seeing police and soldiers barging into homes, especially in this particular protest. We saw the very same actions where uh, soldiers were utilized after uh, the elections themselves. What signals are we seeing in that regard, especially when it comes to a trend setting here as a new um, leader in power when we look at Emerson Nangagwa? Welcome to Change Your Game on Channel Africa, the African perspective. We are coming to you from Johannesburg, right here in South Africa. I'm Asanda Beda, your host.
Change Your Game, the program that promotes open discussion and social dialogue as we highlight real issues in the African entrepreneurship ecosystem. Trevor Mumba now joins us in studio to talk about his entrepreneurial and personal journey. Welcome to Change Your Game, Trevor. Thank you so much. Um, it's an honor to be here. Palesa Mukubong, who's a designer. Welcome, Palesa, to Change Your Game. Thank you. Your role at the fourth annual Fashion Without Borders event? I just know that I need to arrive and, and, <laughs> okay. and do my part and do it really, really well. You are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on our various platforms on Shortwave, on DSTV, on Channel 802, and also on our website, www.channelafrica.co.za. you with me, Benjamin Mushatama, right here on African Dialogue, where from Monday to Thursday, we contextualize uh, the big issues on the African uh, continent. Today, we're looking at uh, the Zimbabwean issue, especially the, the end-to-fuel price uh, um, protests that have been happening in the last few days but we've uh, seen so far a lot of response from police and soldiers barging into homes apparently according to the Zimbabwe lawyers for human rights and assaulting people and uh, we've heard of confirmation of uh, people sustaining death, uh, sustaining wounds and a very worrying situation there and let me stick to you Gideon before I go back to, to, to love more in terms of that particular worry around uh, the use of soldiers and police in these particular protests is something that we're seeing as uh, a, a mirror of uh, the Robert Mugabe era. Yes, um, interesting, uh, you know, that uh, there is always a, a, an illusion of stability and security in Zimbabwe when things are okay. Then... Um, when there is a situation, that is when you see the real face, the ugly face of uh, the, the securocratic state, as, uh, as we put it, the, where, where the, the military or the proper security institutions and actors are unleashed for purposes of law and order instead of having policing institutions to, do, to deal with that. The, the, it's clear that uh, there were quite uh, many cases of uh, violence from the protesters, but I still believe that um, the violation of, um, of uh, the law and order, if you were to put it on a scale, when it's perpetrated by the state, it becomes a major concern because it is the role of the state primarily to maintain law and order and not to become a threat to its citizens, but it is also its role to maintain security. It is its role to make sure that whatever security measures are applied in a civilian uh, situation, they are um, actually weighed properly as to answer to the question of protesters who are exercising their democratic rights. So, uh, again, Munangagwa is faced with a challenge about whether he is not just another figure who is perpetuating the old the old order. And many skeptics, including investors, mm. are actually looking at this situation with interest. To tell you the truth, it sends a message more impeccable, you know, and so high volume that uh, I don't know what kind of public relations the government will try to conduct to probably convince uh, other stakeholders otherwise. But otherwise, uh, what we have witnessed through social media and television is um, characteristics associated with rogue state mm. 
uh, which do not respect, which have no respect for human dignity or, or rule of law. Mm-hmm. There is, uh, just to dramatize what I mean, there is a, a video of, a, of a, a lady. She must be in her 30s, 34, 35, 36, and she was shot um, on her leg. If you see that, there is no way you cannot shed tears if you mm-hmm. are humane. Mm-hmm. And where the vice president, Mr. Chuenga, is sitting, I don't know if he has taken it upon himself to go to the family and to go and see this lady. Because I also, I saw yesterday that the, the, the Ministry of Information, I think, sent out a message saying we are sorry for uh, affected families and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. There okay. Is nothing, there is nothing that takes a message demonstrated there is nothing better than a message demonstrated under these circumstances in terms of government showing us that it's a different government. Okay, let let me move on to this issue because that is also concerning what you're highlighting and it's it's worrying to hear uh, those uh, stories coming out from you, Gideon. Let me come back to you, um, Mr. Katenge, because I want to look at uh, the economic reforms here because that's the big complaint here the fuel price is a big complaint but because when we heard zimbabwe finance minister uh professor amtul nube he was very kind of optimistic about the growth last year protecting growth of 6.3 percent against the original budget projection of 4.5 and 4.8 estimated for 2017 uh, those were the economic growth that were projected by him and now we're seeing what's happening currently clearly there's a bit of a deficit there in terms of the truth and what's happening in reality. What also is interesting is the fact that we've seen a replacement of the U.S. dollar being used and the introduction of bond notes. In terms of the economic reforms, do you think the Nangagwa government is approaching things the way that they should currently? Well, just before I came to, to come to that question, I just wanted one point in terms of the militarization. Sure, the sure. Issue which you're talking with, uh, with Gideon, Dr. Stanka there. What I saw on TV was uh, someone not in uniform, but with an AK rifle. I, I can assure you, those are soldiers who really have uh, not come in uniform because then they will be accused of in- interfering. And I think this is the real challenge because we've been watching our media here, our Minister of Information has been accusing the opposition and some other rogue elements, uh, you know, moving with rifles and so forth. It's not true. It's the state itself. And I think uh, I agree with, uh, you know, Gideon that we expected, you know, the situation to change. But unfortunately, uh, the rogue elements or the military has not really changed from it where people need to have confidence with it. And what has actually happened is also the cases where we've seen police stations being bent here in Stugiza and one in Marondera and the other one in Blawayo, it shows the, the relationship between the people and the people who are supposed to be protecting us. Yeah. All right, and let, let's move to the point of the economic reforms. Yes, yes. yes. Well, when you look at the economy, you can see that uh, uh, Professor, when he came in, he came in with a number of promises, but now he has to face the reality. And I think the challenge, which uh, I've been speaking to a number of economists here, and also mostly the business community, and the challenge which we have as a country or which President uh, Mnangagwa has, is the issue of uh, engaging 
the different uh, stakeholders. You know, if you look in the budget itself, the Minister of Finance says uh, the U.S. one dollar is equal to one bond, is equal to one RT, yes, and so forth. It's really fallacy. It's not true. Mm. So they are not really being realistic. And uh, in my view, the solution can only come if you liberalize the, the economy, the, the, the exchange rate. You float it. But the major issue is the issue of corruption. I was watching BBC and others. We look at the issue of the Brexit issue, where you know people have a discourse, people discuss about these issues. And I think uh, in Zimbabwe, our challenge is that totally agree with uh, uh, Gideon there, where our president wants to be in good books with his colleagues here, but uh, I think the interaction with the business community is not fair. Mm-hmm. And I think the issue of the command issue, you know, where government wants to be involved uh, in setting the exchange rates, in setting who gets fuel and that command economics does not work. Mm-hmm. And I think the solution which I get from my people in business here is, is the issue of social contract, the issue of engagement. And our Zimbabweans are saying, even before uh, our person goes out, his engagement must be with us. Mm-hmm. And I think our major problem has been the exchange rate. But I'm not surprised because one issue which I didn't mention when I was talking about the issue of the fuel uh, was the issue of the whole tra- the transparency process in the procurement itself. And uh, our major issue is we have a cartel, which we have, I think, uh, a company called Trascora, uh, part of the Sakunda here. Uh, fronted by one called Kudata Gure, a Zimbabwean, this is common knowledge, uh, who really is running our pipeline, our fuel pipeline, and uh, gets uh, most of the fuel, uh, you know, foreign currency uh, allocated by the West Bank. And I'm saying our problem is the whole issue of transparency and also issue of re-looking at it and uh, be real. One US dollar is not equal to one bond. Mm. Well, let me hear the thoughts or read some of the thoughts on our Facebook page. Munyaradzi Didiamas Muzenda says uh, to our question whether um, Nangagwa is doing things different to Robert Mugabe. Um, uh, Munyaradzi says, I think the answer is yes, and most of the approaches are miscalculated and lack uh, well-informed decisions. Also, there are some strategies or approaches that naturally makes people to be angry. For example, after increasing the fuel then block communication the triggers built in anger to already frustrate angry citizens sadly in life some people learn from their mistakes and few learn from other people's mistakes is this just a mistake Gideon as highlighted by Munyarazi especially the miscalculations he highlights in terms of economic reforms um yes um I think again we, we're getting a, a quite an impeccable description from my colleague uh, on the uh, on the on the program of the things that um, are happening and um, so the contributions of the Munangagwa government. I am mainly interested in, in the broader policy I mentioned. So truly he has described the issue around uh, the current problems and clearly Zimbabwe needs uh, reforms. To be precise, I think that the bond note, which is either you can call it a parallel note or an auxiliary note, uh, it must be killed. It's not really helping. If anything, it has worsened things. 
sure. perhaps, and I, I'm not sure if Zimbabwe was using the, the US dollar or other international currencies, the situation would be different because the major problem now is uh, business within Zimbabwe, by law, should be conducted through the bond note as the sole medium of exchange. And mm-hmm. the bond note is value is rigged against the US dollar. So you find that the, the US dollars are flying on the on the black market or on the informal market. And uh, the bond note is way behind it, but the government forces uh, manufacturers, the shops, the, the, to use the bond note, to pay salaries in the bond note, and that's a problem. The government also is failing to attract US dollars, and it's failing to keep them when they have them. The, the process of allocating, you know, basically uh, distributing forex to companies is problematic. This is this is this is what used to have in the socialist re- regimes, which crumbled uh, in the 80s. Mm-hmm. You know, in a modern mm-hmm. economy, that cannot be. Uh, when President Nangagwa came in and replaced the President Mugabe, this was the situation. So, so Zimbabweans mm-hmm. expected that that would clearly be easily removed and the economy would start to at least function in a normal way. But there are mm-hmm. other major structural economic reforms that are needed. So there is an issue here of sequence and there's an issue of ownership. In my view, I think President Nangagwa should do more within Zimbabwe to make sure that whatever policies, whatever economic structural reform program is first mm-hmm. domestically owned and accepted. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes the basis upon which it goes to the European Union, to the US, to mm-hmm. the international community to say, this is my program and it's supported by Zimbabweans. Not, not, not the key interest partisan brokers that are holding him to ransom. Some people have said his intentions to transform Zimbabwe are really genuine. If these intentions are really genuine, I think within almost a year, people, the citizens, should be really be able to see such substantial shift to say our president is moving, and if there are any other interests that are holding him back, they should be exposed so that he can be at least fairly judged by Zimbabwe. And I think that's where, mm. where the problem is. So economic reforms fix the current issue immediately, once and for all, go for structural broader structural economic reform. And these broader structural economic reforms must be denominated by a comprehensive conciliatory agenda in Zimbabwe that is based on national dialogue, not partisan dialogue between MDC and Zanapia. That is nothing that, that won't solve problems in Zimbabwe. Zimbabwe needs to be unified at multiple levels, beyond political parties, beyond issues of elections. Mm but more on issues focused on nationhood and healing from historical problems.